The following is a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church in Port Rowan, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit livinghopebiblechurch.ca. Thank you for choosing to listen to the Living Hope Bible Church podcast. We are beginning our podcast by looking into the book of Colossians. We're beginning our series as we look at the greatness of Jesus. He is our King, our Lord and Savior. What does that mean for our lives? Today's message is from Pastor Mark. He's the lead pastor at our church. Let's listen in. Jesus Christ is who the world needs, and the world needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who the world needs, and the world needs to know that. Let me say it again, because it's that important. Jesus Christ is who the world needs, and the world needs to know that. Now, when I say world, it's easy to kind of have an um, outer space, um, uh, international space station approach or view of the world. It's easy to think like that's so beyond reach and so without grasp. So let's narrow that a little bit. Let's zoom in and let's see what I'm referring to when I mean world. Jesus Christ is who your neighbor needs, and your neighbor needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your boss needs, and your boss needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your aunt needs, and your aunt needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your uncle needs, and your uncle needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your grandma needs, and your grandma needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your grandpa needs, and your grandpa needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your dad needs, and your dad needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your mom needs, and your mom needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your son needs, and your son needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your daughter needs, and your daughter needs to know that. Jesus Christ is who your grandchildren need, and your grandchildren need to know that. Listen, loved ones, Jesus Christ is who the world needs, and the world needs to know that. So let me ask you, how has your engagement in the gospel advancement been going? Well, let me ask you this way. How have you been actively engaged in advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now you might be thinking right now, Mark, that's a little unfair. That's a little unfair because of everything that's gone on. How are we to do this? It looks different. It's not the same. People are, I just feel that's a little unfair of a question in light of what we're going through. And I don't ask that question to hound you. I don't ask that question to um, make you feel bad. But I ask that question because of something I've said many times in a clear call we have from our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 19, to go therefore and make disciples. The reality is, is there's no clause to that. The reality is, is it, it's not to stop when a world pandemic happens. It's not to stop when things go bad. It's not to stop when it's just great and things are good, Right? So how has your engagement in gospel advancement been going? 
Maybe this has been a struggle for you in this season. Maybe it has been, as it has been for many. I know at times it's been a struggle for me. Uh, maybe it's been a struggle for you lately. Or maybe, maybe a pattern of your life has been one in which I feel like I'm never really fulfilling the Great Commission. I feel like I'm struggling through this often. Uh, I feel like I'm not doing very well. I, I get discouraged and I get kind of beat up that I'm just not doing what I should be doing when it comes to advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, if that's you this morning, which I think in some points or another, we all can find ourselves there, can't we, loved ones? Uh, if that's you this morning, listen, uh, we're going to see two ways that you can continually engage in gospel advancement. And so this message is to be an encouraging message to you. Okay, This message is to encourage you and to spur you on and to help you uh, see in God's word that there's two ways that you can continually, there's more, but two ways you can continually engage in gospel advancement. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to be picking up in verses 2 through 6 this morning. The first way, loved ones, all right, that you can continuously engage in gospel advancement is by praying, is by praying, okay? Uh, the first way is by praying. Look in your Bibles, and let's look at verses 2 through 3. It says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, we've gone through this section for the last couple weeks, haven't we? And I hope you've truly been blessed and God has been teaching you and encouraging you when it comes to prayer. So let me ask you this. How has your prayer life been this last couple weeks? Have you found it's increasing? Have you found it's, it's growing and you're, you're praying about everything once again? Have you found that? Everybody's like, oh man, I'm not going to move. <laughs> I hope you have. I hope you have been growing in your prayer life. I hope that God has been blessing you through what we've been going through, and just kind of going through the basics of what prayer is and, and reminding ourselves. I've been so blessed by that and so just encouraged to continue to pray about everything. So we've learned that we need to continue steadfastly in prayer, right? That means to be devoted, be devoted to prayer, but also in your devotedness to prayer and your consistency in prayer. And I remember we are instructed to um, pray watchfully, right? Let nothing derail you from your prayer life. Let nothing take you away from praying and continue that conversation with God throughout the day. And do all that, Paul says, um, code all that in an attitude of thanksgiving and thankfulness. And so Paul says to the church, right, um, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. But he says something specific here. He adds this to the text. Look at verse 3 now. He says this, at the same time. Do you see it there? Do you see it in the text? At the same time. So as you continue to devote yourself to prayer, as you continue steadfastly in your prayer, as you continue watchfully in your prayer, at the same time, pray also for us. See it there? And Paul is asking the church to pray for him. I pray the us there is, there's also a few people with them. You can see who's with them in verses 7 through. Tychicus is there, Onesimus is there, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, they're all there. So Paul is asking for prayer for himself, but also for the brothers that are there helping and ministering with him and to him. Now, I just want to take a little bit of a, a sidetrack, an important one really quickly this morning as a way of reminder. It's so important that we pray for one another. Amen. It's so important that we pray for one another. Um, it's important that we pray. 
I don't think I need to like go on an extensive and teaching that we need to pray for each other. I think we all have a general grasp on this concept and on this biblical truth, but it is a discipline that we all need to be actively engaged in, all right? Um, we need reminders, right? I just want to say this to you this morning because we often need reminders. Um, reminders are a good thing. Without reminders, we, we tend to forget and totally neglect the things that we're supposed to do, right? Uh, for instance, I'm, I'm trying to change my sleep pattern. I, I'm naturally a night hawk. Any night hawks out there? We've got a few, all right? There's more. You're just afraid to tell me. But uh, naturally a night hawk. But I'm trying to switch that around because go to bed late, you get up late. It just doesn't flow well in your day. So I'm trying to be a, what's the equivalent of a night hawk? A, a morning dove? I'm trying to be a morning dove so I can hoot with the doves in the morning, right? So who's a morning dove here? All right, there's a few morning doves, right? And so I'm trying to do that, but listen, that's just not natural for me to be a morning dove, all right? I have to set my alarm to wake me up, otherwise I just don't naturally wake up in the same way we need reminders. So as a way of reminder to you this morning, it's important that we pray for one another. It's really important that we do that. Uh, Jesus um, prayed for his apostles. If you want to read an, an amazing prayer from our Lord and Savior to the apostles, and also somebody else I'll tell you in a minute, um, read John chapter 17. And it is an awesome prayer of, uh, of the Savior praying for the apostles. Now, you don't have to turn there, but just as a way of highlighting to you really quickly, he prays for them specifically. He goes, I'm not praying for the rest of the world, but for them, for the apostles. He says, um, he's praying that the Father would keep them in his name and that he would keep them from the evil one. And he's praying that they would be experiencing the joy of the Lord in them fully. And he prays for their sanctification. But I love this. He says this in the text. This is awesome. I do not ask for these only. So not just the apostles that are in the room, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you know what he's saying? He is praying for you and for me. He is praying for all the followers of Jesus Christ. That is awesome. Our Lord and Savior who created all the earth, everything prays for us. It's important that we pray for one another. Jesus knew this and he prayed for us. Now, Jesus prays in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. He prays for, Luke, or for Peter, right? He says this, um, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. We see many times in Scripture, we see in Acts, the early church praying for each other. Listen, loved ones, it's important that we pray for one another. So Paul here is calling the church to pray for him and those who are with him. And he's asking them to pray for them in two certain ways. Look at the text now. Go back to Colossians chapter 4 if you flipped. He says this, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Open to us a door. Paul is asking that the church would pray that God would open wide a door for the word. Now, what's the word specifically that he's asking for that the word would do something? What's this word that he's asking for an open door to go forth? Look at the text. He says this, to declare the mystery of Christ on, which, on account of which I am in prison. So the word is not just the whole counsel of God's word. They were writing the word at that time, right? It was specifically referring to the gospel, the word of God, salvation in Jesus Christ alone to make it out, to make it go out and to make it spread across the land. And so Paul is asking the church 
to pray that God would open wide the door for gospel penetration in the hearts and the lives of the hearers. God is praying that, or Paul is asking the church to pray for that. Now, we get the analogy of the door, right? Uh, we know doors, they, op- they, they function in two, a good way and a bad way, okay? Doors in a good way, they separate, and when you need the separation, they separate. Separate rooms, all those things, but doors aren't good um, when they're in the way if there's like a fire in the building, right? Uh, doors aren't good then, like you want the door out of the way, you don't want anything hindering and so Paul uses this metaphor a few times, and we've seen this before. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, right? He says, a door was wide open for ministry. I think it's in chapter 4, um, as Paul went to Troas. And there's a wide open door for ministry there. But he left because of, uh, because of the, the heart that he had for the church in Corinth, um, the trouble that was going on there. We also see other doors in Acts where they said a door was wide open for ministry, And so the point here that Paul is asking is that Paul is in prison right now. And I don't think he's just asking for literal doors. I think in a sense he is. But he's asking that God would open up the doors of the hearts of people so that the gospel can penetrate their hearts and they can be saved no matter where he is. Paul preached while he's still in prison. Acts tells us that. The prison guards came to faith. That's just awesome. No bars are going to stop me, Paul's saying. That's what was his resolve. So Paul asked for open doors, that God would would open the door for gospel penetration. Now why? Why is Paul asking this specifically for the church to pray this? Well, one reason for sure is Paul understands a fundamental truth about the lost. If God doesn't move in preparing the hearts of the unsaved, in bringing the gospel, if God doesn't start to stir in their hearts, his ministry will have little impact. It'll have virtually little impact if God doesn't move because Paul doesn't save anyone. He didn't, nor do you or nor do I. It's the Lord who saves the power of his spirit. And so listen, Paul understands that the unsaved are blind to the fact that they are lost and they are, that they are on the road to condemnation. And listen, Satan wants to keep them blind. He wants to keep them blind. Do you know that, loved ones? Satan wants to keep all the lost blind in their sin and not see the light of the glory of Christ and come to salvation. Satan wants that. Why? Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians. He tells the church this in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. He says this, defending his ministry, but he makes this point. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, note this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? To what? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan wants them, all the lost, to stay lost. He does not want them to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul understands this truth. And he wants to be used for great impact as he shares the gospel. So he asked the church to join him in the ministry of praying that God would open gospel-penetrating doors. This is what Paul is asking the church. Now, note this. As the church prays for Paul in this regard, they are joining in on Paul's ministry in an indirect way, but a vital way nonetheless. They're joining in. 
We see that the church does this in other places. Like Philippians, Paul says this, I have everything I need. Uh, they provided um, like physical material needs for Paul as he ministered. And so he says, hey, I have everything provided for me. They join in his ministry of meeting his needs so that he can continue to advance the gospel. So he's asking the church to join in the ministry by praying for him and for them. Now, one way, loved ones, listen, this is so important. One way that will help you continuously engage in gospel advancement is by praying. It's by praying. Pray, pray, loved ones, that God would open gospel-penetrating doors for the gospel to go out and be heard by those who are listening. Listen, pray. Pray for missionaries. Pray for Bible study teachers and leaders Listen, I just want to plead this with you as your pastor in the, and pray for Pastor Josh and pray for me. Please pray. Pray that every time that I get up and I preach and I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it will penetrate the hearts of everyone listening that is not saved. Pray, please. Every time Josh preaches to the youth and, he's, and he shares the love of Jesus Christ, pray that the youth, that, that they will hear and receive the saving message of Jesus Christ. Pray, pray. Paul pleads with the church to pray. It's so important that we pray. Pray for God to break down walls in people's hearts. Pray for God to kick open the locked doors on people's hearts that they can see and come to faith. Pray that the gospel will be spoken and lives will be changed and hearts will be softened and pray, pray, pray. When we pray and when you pray for those who are leading in these ways, you are joining in the ongoing ministry, for instance, that I and Josh are called to here amongst you. And that's vital. That's vital, loved ones. Your prayers are vital. I've heard pastors say this in the past, and it is true. Um, they'll preach the same message in different locations. And um, some places, it's like they say it's just dead. Just it's falling on deaf ears. And nothing is happening. The gospel's not moving forward. It's just dead. And then they'll go to another place. And it's like people are softened and convicted and broken and salvation comes. Why? And you can discover if you do a little bit of asking that that church was serious about prayer. They were praying. I said this last week and I meant it. A prayerless church is a powerless church. Loved ones, we join together in ministry and you join in the ministry of gospel proclamation when you pray and you pray to this effect. Pray that God will open doors. Now, I want you to look to the right. Look to your right. Look to your right, okay? Look to your right. Now look to your left. Look to your left. Now kind of just look behind you a little bit. Look just, just kind of behind you a little bit. Okay, okay, now look up here. Look up here. Look up here. I didn't have you do that exercise to keep you going, all right? Don't just pray for me and Pastor Josh and those that are leading this way and, and actively um, preaching. But pray for each other. Pray for each other. Because God has called us all to make disciples. Pray that God will give you opportunities to preach the gospel and have an open door so it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Now, I know it's hard to pray for everyone around you. I'm, I'm not suggesting that name everybody by name every day if you can, praise God. Um, but but maybe grab a family and pray for them and say, I'm praying for you this week that God would open doors for you to present Christ. Pray for them. Listen, if you want to engage 
in ongoing um, active advancement in the gospel, pray for one another. Um, Pray, pray, loved ones, pray. The second thing that you need to pray for is pray for clear gospel proclamation. Pray for clear gospel proclamation. Look at the text here again. He says this, at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on which account I am in prison, that I may make it clear. See it there? That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. That's imperative. That's an action word. Um, The gospel ought to be spoken, uh, must be spoken with clarity. Listen, clarity is vital in the proclamation of the gospel. It's vital. Why? Because we don't just want the gospel getting disjointed and distorted and twisted up in the minds of the listeners. We don't want it to be twisted up. A clear, balanced gospel message of Jesus Christ should be the aim every time. That's the aim. Now, God help us in this, amen? Uh, We need his help when he sends his spirit and enables us through his spirit to help us. Um, But listen, false gospels are preached all the time because they are not biblical gospels. They're not biblically balanced gospels. Uh, They're they're self-imposed gospels and they're self-thinking gospels and not gospel from the Bible Um, So we want to be clear. Now, there's a few things that will help us. We need to pray for one another, but there is a few things that will help us practically. Uh, Just really quickly for you. One, uh, maintain a right understanding, all right? If you want to have clarity, we need to be praying for everybody, but praying also in this for a clear proclamation, all right? But we need to maintain a right understanding, all right? Don't let the world delude your mind. Um, Keep going back to the word of truth, okay? I keep going back to the word of God. Paul even says this earlier in this letter in verse 16 of chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All right? If you want clarity of the gospel, you constantly need to go back to the word and remind yourself of what Jesus Christ has done. That will help you in clarifying the message of Christ to those around you. All right? Second is this. Constantly preach the gospel to yourself. You've heard me say this before, but it's so important. Constantly preach the gospel to yourself. It'll help in clarity because as you preach the gospel, you're going to ponder over and over in your mind again the realities of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Just think about it for a moment. You didn't deserve to be saved. You didn't deserve um, the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ that cost him everything. We deserved wrath. We deserve punishment. But God in his mercy and his grace He saved us, and he called us into his marvelous light. You ponder that for a while, and allow the Spirit of God to freshen you with that, and breathe that on you, and that just lifts your spirit, and that brings clarity to your mind of what Christ has done. That helps with clarity. Third is prepare yourself for battle. Prepare your mind for action. Um, Pray for clarity, but note this. The enemy is going to come a-running and chucking darts at you like crazy. He's going to do that. He's going to be throwing bombs, if he can, to fill you with fear, to to fill you with anxiety, to fill you with doubt. Uh, Listen, don't let Satan win those battles of the mind. The war has already been won in Jesus Christ. All right, The war has already been won. Satan's defeated, uh, but he still tries to win those individual battles with us, doesn't he? He still wants us to be silent in our gospel proclamation. He still wants to muddy that up. So prepare your minds constantly. 
I know it's going to come at me. I know as soon as I open my mouth, uh, clarity's going to try to become confused by the enemy, right? No, Lord, protect me. Guard me. Give me wisdom. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare yourself for battle. That will help you in clarity. But listen, loved ones, if you want to engage in consistent gospel advancement, pray. Pray for one another. Pray for God to open doors. Uh, pray for clarity in those that are speaking it forth. Uh, secondly is this. This is more the direct way. That way was more the indirect. This is more the direct way. Um, secondly is uh, uh, you're living. You're living, okay? If you want to actively engage in advancing the gospel, the way you live is of utmost importance. It's vital. Look at text. Look at verse 5. It says this. Paul says this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. You see it there? See it there, loved ones? Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Uh, In other words, um, live wisely. Now, who's the outsiders that he's talking about here? Um, Those that aren't part of their group? Those that aren't part of their clique? Uh, No, he's referring to all the lost, the unsaved, those who are not a part of the family of God, those who have not been engrafted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. Um, That's who he's referring to here, uh, the lost. He says, walk in wisdom towards them. How you live has a direct bearing on the effectiveness of the gospel through you. How you live affects how those around you will view the gospel. You need to live wisely, loved ones. You need to live wisely. You need to live in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, in Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this. Uh, this is a great passage. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Um, you want to live wisely, you need to live in the fear of the Lord. You need to honor God with what you do. One of the surest ways of advancing the gospel is how you live. Listen, listen. Note this. Your walk must authenticate your talk. All right? Now, that's key. Your walk must authenticate your talk. You can't just say you're a follower of Christ and live like the world. That's a sure way of putting a damper on the gospel in someone's life. You have to live your life holy and pleasing to God. Too many Christians are hindering the effectiveness of the gospel through them because they are living and looking and sounding like the rest of the world. Too many Christians are living like the rest of the world by busying themselves with worldly pursuits that preoccupy all their time and pull them from making disciples because they're so busy on trying to fit in and trying to, trying to do what they can do to build their own kingdom. They have no time. There's no time. We hear that a lot, right? Praise God that COVID's here. That's one blessing from God with COVID. One grace is that we have more time. But the reality is, is that too many people are so busy, too many Christians are so busy that they don't have time to show their neighbors the love of Christ. They just don't. They're too busy. It's a lie that the enemy just has thrown at us, and we just bit into it, and we just accept it as truth. That's no big deal. That's no problem. we gotta, we got to reorient our thinking and live wisely. Another way is uh, not just in the living, but um, another way is uh, trying to fit in how they look. Too many Christians are so concerned about fitting in 
as opposed to being set apart. And so they fit in and they look like the crowd and they act like the crowd and they conduct themselves like the crowd. That dampers the gospel. You know, men, we can struggle with this. We can struggle with keeping up with the Joneses, right? Pursue, pursue, pursue. And we can struggle with trying to fit in and you're at work and you're on the assembly line or on the farm or wherever else. And on the, for me in the golf course when I was younger and they coarse joke and they crude, jo- and crude talk and they swear and then, you know what, you, just, you don't want to be the sore thumb out, right? Like who wants to be stuck out like a sore thumb? So you try to fit in. And we hamper and hinder the gospel and we put it out in someone's life because we just look like them and we conduct ourselves like them. You know, women can um, put ill effect to the gospel on the way that they conduct themselves, how they dress, um, how they reveal themselves. Too many Christian women have bought into the lie that wearing less is more and okay. They look just like the rest of the world. They adorn themselves with outward beauty as opposed to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 3, to adorn the heart, the inner beauty of the heart is what is to be manifest not drawing our our attention to self. And that hinders the gospel. Ladies, you look just like the rest of the world when you dress this way, and I've heard all the excuses. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But let's see what God says. What does God say how we are to conduct ourselves? Not in inappropriate ways, in ways that inappropriately, uh, intentionally draw attention by how we dress or how you dress. And that's huge. The Bible's clear on this. We can do things that help the gospel or hinder the gospel. And so let's use wisdom, live wisely, right? The rest of the, others can talk like the rest of the world, unwholesome things coming out of their mouths, all those things. Those are huge. They can have an effect for the positive of the gospel advancement, or they can hinder the gospel. How you can engage in continually advancing the gospel is living wisely. Now look what Paul says in the text. He says this. He says, Um, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making, also here, making the best use of the time. You see it there? Making the best use of the time. Um, That literally is to buy up. It means to redeem the time. Uh, Redeem the time. Uh, Really that is, is how we can better understand this, is that every chance you get, redeem it to live out and show the beauty and the glory of Christ through your life. Every moment. And also proclaim every opportunity you have the saving message of Jesus Christ. Take every time, every chance, buy it up. It's a good investment. Many of us invest in different things, right? Oh, that's a good investment. This is a sure investment. This is an eternal, eternal investment. This is the image that Paul is giving us here. Is buy it up, sure it up. Take every moment. Redeem it for the gospel. Redeem it for the glory of the Lord. Now, I know this thought may arise in your mind. It did in mine at first. Um, well, I don't think I get very many chances. I don't think I have a lot of chances to... Uh, like, people aren't just coming up and saying, hey, tell me about Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't have people coming up and doing that to me too. So we can often think, well, I, I don't think I get very many chances. I was convicted and I would uh, now argue um, that opportunities are all around us. They are all around us. And why we know this is true, because of what Jesus said. Jesus said in, the, in, uh, in his uh, account in Matthew, he said, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? What loved ones? Few. Hold on, the harvest is plentiful. 
Jesus said that there's much to harvest out there. The problem is, is we don't even get in the field because we're too preoccupied. And so I wonder, listen, how, do we, how much do we actually engage and how much do we ask God to open the doors and ask God to give us eyes to see so that we can proclaim the truth and live the truth Every moment that you live holy before God and serious is a moment that the gospel, you're shining the light of Christ and saying there's something different. There is someone that we are to live for, not yourself. Don't let the enemy make you think that that's no big deal. That's huge. Even Peter talks about this, how even a wife presenting herself to uh, her husband, an unsaved husband, by her conduct may even win him to Christ in that sense. That's huge. How we live is massive. And how you live and conduct yourself is massive. Redeem the time. Take every moment, every moment. Now as you do this, look what Paul says next in verse 6. Making the best use of the time. Now as you speak to those, let your speech always be gracious. See it there? Always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, let your speech, all right, um, be seasoned with grace. Season your speech with grace is what he's saying. Let me ask you, why do you season food? To bring out the flavor, to make it taste better, right? Otherwise, it's just bland, right? You season food. In the same way that we season food, Paul is saying, season your speech. That it, make it appetizing as you present the gospel, as you live the gospel, as you speak forth the gospel. Make it appetizing. Make it taste good. Now, we, in the sense of we can either speak the gospel in a way that is gracious and we can uh, be used effectively in that, or we can speak the gospel in a way that is angry and mad and frustrated and force it down someone's throat. Um, that's not what Paul is going after. It's speaking graciously. It should be tasteful in the mouth. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes them, but we don't want to cause hurt and hardship in someone's life because we were foolish in our presentation of Christ. This is what he's saying. Live wisely. Live wisely. When you speak graciously and you speak an appetizing message of Jesus Christ, when you season that message that way, God opens up more doors for you to continue to engage. People say, yeah, you know what? He believes this, but I'm very respectful. Many conversations, I'm sure you've had those too. Come away and just very respectful, but just respectfully disagree. But it hasn't been distasteful in their mouth in that sense. Now, they'll reject the gospel or receive the gospel. That's up to God. But the reality is how we speak is huge. And this has a direct bearing on our responses too. You ever talk to somebody that's fired up? Do they reason well? Do you reason well if you're angry? <laughs> you don't. I'm sorry, you just don't. No one does. This whole idea of season with grace, it keeps you in control so that you know how you ought to answer everyone. You can, give the, you can give the hope, the reason for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Gracious, loving, gentle. Now that's not easy. You have somebody coming at you like angry with you. Oh, that's not easy. But yet all the same, season your speech with grace. This is what he's saying to do. Now listen, loved ones, listen. Jesus Christ is who the world needs, and the world needs to know that. How you can actively engage and be obedient to the calling that God has on your life 
There's two ways here. Yes, there's more, but two ways here that we see. Um, pray. Pray, loved ones. Pray for God to open doors in your life, in your neighbor's life, in fellow Christians' lives, in my life, in Pastor Josh's life, those that are leading, especially in this kind of capacity. Um, pray for each other. Pray for clear gospel proclamation, all right? Um, second way is you're living how you live. Live wisely. Live a holy life before God. Don't be consumed by the things of this world. Make the best use of your time, all right? Make the best use, all right? Don't, don't just go after worldly things. Buy up every opportunity to proclaim Christ through your speech and through your life, all right? Season your speech with grace. There's plenty of opportunities around us, loved ones. Jesus Christ is who the world needs, and the world needs to know it. So let's engage actively every day in gospel advancement through how we live and how we speak. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that um, you graciously walk with us and you, you have patience with us, Lord as we struggle with these different things in this time that we face right now, as we um, are still wrestling through different changes and different things, Father, I just ask that you would strengthen us, that you would empower us to engage actively every day in the advancement of the gospel. Um, Paul asked the church then, he knew um, the, the vital role fellow Christians um, play in, in living out and in, in, actively engaged in presenting truth. Paul knew that he needed that. Lord, may we grasp that too. May we pray for each other. May we always be ready. May we always, in our living, shine the light of Christ, especially now in these days when many people are searching and many people are uncertain. And it seems now, Lord, that people are quickly angered and the responses are immediate reaction. So, Lord, may we, in our whole life, season our whole life with grace. And shine the light of Jesus Christ so many will come to know him. And may they see you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church. For more information about our church, please head to livinghopebiblechurch.ca.